Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Soften us. Open us. Help us to see through your eyes. In your name we pray. Amen. Maybe seated. <laughs> and if you're a child, you can church. You need a yellow flag. False start. That's right. <laughs> Go back. <laughs> In life, we search for opportunities. Opportunities of life change. Moments of leadership aren't always met with a fanfare, a spectacle, or pageantry. They're selfless and noble. They're inherent, instinctive. Authority doesn't always equate to leadership. A leader knows that Teamwork is always better than going at it alone. And being reliable can carry more weight than any position or power. A leader goes the extra mile when you're tired and when it doesn't make sense to. But integrity is about doing the right thing when no one is looking. It's not about having all the answers, but taking what's in your cup and pouring it into someone else's that is less full. People follow those who are selfless and open-handed. A leader sees the potential in someone and blows wind into their sails. You go throughout your day hoping to unlock the potential in someone, hoping that something clicks and sometimes the day ends wondering if any significant difference has been made if any ground has been covered if there is any tangible evidence of your investment if it was just lost on those you've led yielding no return there will be times when you feel like giving up on those whom you've led when you think that all that effort all the guidance and direction is all for now. Please, don't give up on us. Even though we may not be asking for it, we are desperate for you to lead us. Because we are watching. We are paying attention. We're begging for you to keep going. You help us realize that leadership is something worth fighting for, worth running after. What we get is rich, and it's greater than any monetary reward. It's been said leadership doesn't happen in a day. It happens daily. And your influence on us will have ripples felt for days to come. Just so you know, that's a that is actually a, a secular 
That's a Delta commercial. <laughs> it was used at a conference, but I thought it was really, uh, really fitting, really touching to me uh, to think about uh, leadership. Uh, just uh, so you know what's going on. Uh, last, you may remember last year I asked for some ideas on uh, topics, things we might talk about that are relevant to uh, life. And someone had, uh, as one of their, their sermon series ideas was, to talk about leadership and how it works in the church and what it looks like and how, uh, how do we help people the next generation? How do we move forward and teach people those things that we want to teach them? And that was probably last, I don't know when that was, July or August, we talked about that. Um, and I felt it would be a good time at the beginning of the year for two reasons. We always make uh, lots of, uh, we want to make changes, right, for the new year, so we always do that. And two, um, right now, our boards, the boards have uh, pretty much been set uh, for this upcoming year. So we have new people coming on the boards, um, and then we also have people who are in, in leadership. And, and the rest of that idea is that we're all leaders in some way, shape, or form, are we not? Whether we're leaders that are, are at home, or we're a, if we're a Sunday school teacher, or we're on a board here, or we're, we're at our job, um, I'm sure we have... And if nothing, nothing else that we can point out, there are people who are watching us as believers in Christ. And so in that one, that one uh, vein, that, that may be the most important vein, we are leaders in a community of, uh, of unbelievers. When someone pulls out in front of us, we have a choice to make, Right? And I'd love to tell you that I always, I always say a nice prayer for the person in front of me. My wife would tell you that I, say, I always say I wish I had a machine gun on the front of my car. Because I could shoot your tires out and I could go around them, right? <laughs> we are leaders in our neighborhoods. We're leaders in all different areas of our life. So whether you're on a board or not is not nearly as important, but it's still practical uh, good information. It's good for us. So what makes a great leader? This is when you return. It, this is, I, I put it out there. Great leader! With a question mark. Ding! A servant. Okay. So Glenn went right to the Bible. I think we were in church or something. <laughs> Step back for one second and think about your best boss. The, the person who, who did the best job of teaching you and leading you and guiding you in life. What, what value, what, what made them special? See, because I know that there are good leaders and there are bad leaders. I know that even great leaders have weaknesses. I want to know what makes a good leader. What is it that sticks out when you think about someone who's uh, the boss or someone who's leading you? What is it? Okay, lead from the front as an example. I agree. What was that, Chris? I missed that. Gentleness, okay. Integrity takes responsibility. Accountability. Patience. Someone had to say my weakness. I'm not very patient. Perseverance. Not giving up, right? Is that what you said, Dave? Yeah, I, amen. Any, anyone in the balcony? Encouraging. 
Those are all good qualities, great qualities of a leader. We're going to look through the book of 1 Timothy. And if you don't know what's going on, young Timothy was just a boy, teenager, young man uh, is what the scriptures tell us. And Paul had the responsibility. He didn't have him on text. He wasn't able to call him every night, but he had to write him a letter. And he said, Timothy, you need to stay in Ephesus and lead God's people. Mind you, he didn't have a lot of uh, background. There wasn't a Leadership 101 book to give him. How to run a church book wasn't there. All those things weren't there in Timothy's life. Timothy had grown up, though, um, in the faith. His mom and his grandma, um, it says in Scripture, that they, they helped guide his path. Um, it, sounded to me like, it sounds to me like in the Scriptures that there was a good chance that uh, they, from a very young age, had been raising Timothy in the faith to lead God's people. But now he's on his own, and he's being plunged into uh, this group of people. Sheep. Right? And we know how sheep can be. Right? <laughs> if you don't know anything about sheep, they, there's a reason I think God uses the analogy of sheep. Um, they tend to go in groups. <laughs> they tend to not think too much on their own. And sometimes people call them dumb. And we as sheep can be that way, can we not? There's a reason there's a hook on the end of the staff that the, the shepherd has. Because sometimes you've got to hook them, get them back in line, put them right into where they belong be, to protect them, right? So Paul is trying to give Timothy the details, the, the, the important pieces of what it means to lead people. And in six chapters, which, which works out really well, Timothy gets a primer, if you know what a primer is, right? He gets this very basic a uh, practical understanding of what it's going to mean to lead God's people in Ephesus. So we have a new year and new opportunities, and that's why I wanted to choose this topic, because I felt like it would be important for us, uh, for those coming on board, maybe for the first time, those who are re-upping, uh, those who are still on boards. It's good for us to think about how we lead God's people. If you're in a Sunday school, if you're leading, in, if you're Teaching in, in uh, two and three year olds. All leadership is leadership. And so I, I want to remind you right off the bat about our uh, mission statement it's being neighbors, making neighbors, and building God's neighborhood. Being good neighbors, right? We have decisions to make, choices to make. Are we going to be good to our neighbors or are we going to ignore our neighbors? Are we going to be mean to our neighbors? How are we going to treat our neighbors? So we need to be good neighbors. And we need to work on making neighbors, which is sharing the gospel with those who are around us. And here's what I've, I've found in my own life. God puts people in our path. We don't have to go to State Street and walk the streets to find someone to share the gospel with. We don't have to find our neighbors uh, outside of our area. Walk up and down the road. If you walk up and down the road, when my wife and I walk up and down the road, there's probably no less than four or five conversations that happen every time we walk up and down the road. 
we used to joke we would have to start plenty early in the evening to be able to get down to like Calkins Road or 86 and make it all the way back because we have so many neighbors who might be out in the summer that we would always have to stop, right? And that, which, is, which is perfectly fine, but we just had to add that into the time we were going to be away. We have to build God's neighborhood, which means to encourage and disciple and lead and help others into the faith. Help them understand what that means. Well, here's, here's someone else's idea of what a great leader would be. Someone who has honesty. Someone who can delegate. Someone who has commitment and creativity. One who, communi- who communicates well and has a good attitude. Boy, I've seen a bad attitude ruin a lot of good leaders. And one who has humor. That's me. <laughs> not really. I don't have many good. I, I'm not a Neil Beardsley. I don't have good jokes. <laughs> I do all right once in a while. So we have this young man, Timothy. And Paul says, listen, I'm going to tell you, Timothy, what's most important. And I would encourage you to read the whole chapter. I didn't want to read the whole chapter because I want to focus on a couple things. But I think it's even more important to get a little better background to read Timothy. To read 1 Timothy and walk through it as Paul writing a letter to this young boy, this young man. And this is what he's telling him. This is what's most important. Verse 5. Did you see verse 5? Oops. Verse 5 says, the goal of this command is love. Paul says, you need to focus first and foremost on love. Love the sheep. Love those people. Come from a pure heart, a good conscience, and sincere faith. Love them into the kingdom. When's the last time? Has anybody here been beaten into the kingdom of God? Or been uh, ridiculed into the kingdom of God? Anybody been embarrassed into the kingdom of God? Probably, there's probably like 10 hands on the YouTube, right? The reality is this. Very rarely do we abuse someone into the kingdom of God. Rather, we love them into the kingdom of God. We show them what God's love looks like from one-on-one, back and forth. I think uh, I appreciate those uh, who are evangelists who can get on TV, and like Billy Graham, appreciate them, right? But I think the most valuable uh, aspect of our faith is one-on-one. See, it's easy to say, well, why don't you go home and watch Billy Graham? Or go on YouTube and you can watch an evangelist and you'll understand God. The reality is very rarely... Does that stick? It's when we meet someone who comes into our life and changes it and shows us God's love on a very personal level. Who shows us what it looks to be different than the world we live in. That's the love God wants us to share. That's what Paul is telling Timothy. Paul is telling Timothy, you are going to run into people that are hard to love. And when I was in youth ministry, one of my taglines was, those who are hardest to love need it the most. And that's what kept my mind in the right place, right? 
I tell a, a funny story about two young men, 15-year-old young men, 14-year-old men, young men who came to youth group one night, and it was March. And if you know much about the back parking lot, it's all wet, muddy, and soupy. And these young men were, they were bent to fight each other. They'd been in Wattsburg school all day. They'd been, both their names were Jake, and they were going to go get each other. They decided they were going to meet at youth group uh, and fight. Great idea, right? And somehow I found out about it. I could see there was a standoff, and I got in between them. And they were just bent. They were, they, there was one of those things like, I'm not going home until I punch him in the face. And I'm not going home until I punch him in the face. And, um, and if you turn your back, we're going to beat each other up kind of thing. And I knew there was no, like, talking them off a cliff. And so I knew there needed to be a little bit of rough justice. And so the rough justice was this. If you guys are so excited about fighting, let's go out back. It's me and two Jakes, and we're going out to the back parking lot behind the, where the concrete or the pavement ends, and there's a big mud puddle out there, and it's half slush and half ice and half mud, and I said, listen, this is what's going to happen, young men. You're both going in. I don't, you're going to go in on your head. You're going to be soaking wet. You're going to be all sloppy and nasty, and when you get home, you explain to your parents what was happening? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> the pastor did it. Exactly. <laughs> and tell him to call me while I explain. <laughs> I looked back and at first I thought, well, that was a terrible leadership decision. But I realized very quickly that sometimes, sometimes we take the bull by the horns and we tell them how it needs to go. Mind you, no one ever got punched on either end, and no one ended up in the slushy mud. It was a great day. <laughs> Leadership, it's so important. The scripture that is verse 5 says the goal of instruction is to love. It's to love others. And so as leaders of our families, we need to lead with love. As leaders of our Sunday schools, we need to lead with love. If we're at work, we need to lead with love. That doesn't mean we have no boundaries. Let me be clear. That doesn't mean we let people trample on us or stomp on us. That's not what I'm asking you to do. right? I'm asking you to have healthy, safe boundaries. All too many Christians have no boundaries, and then they, they feel bad and hurt because someone uh, offends them. Make a safe boundary and then love people. The second thing that Paul tells Timothy is to fight for what's right. Fight for what's right. Fight for the things that are right in this world. Fight for the things that are right in God's eyes. The verse says, fight the good fight, holding on to faith and a good conscience. Don't give up. Don't fight over the wrong things. Did you see what it says uh, in the past? Some people are fighting over stupid things, Paul tells Timothy. That's what he says. You're fighting over genealogies. You're arguing over things that don't matter. You're causing division between yourselves over things that at the end of the day will not matter in eternity. 
get past them and fight the good fight. Why? Because this is what will happen. Paul says to Timothy, you'll shipwreck, shipwreck your faith if you choose to hang out in the things that aren't of God. If you choose to, to deal with the things of the world and not let love lead, you will shipwreck your faith. Jesus says in Matthew 15, these people honor me with their lips. Their hearts are far from me. Lip service. Lip service is a bad day. So how, how is it that we do lead in the right way? 1 Corinthians 10 talks about it. It says, everything we do, do to the glory of God. That's pretty simple. You want to learn a verse, and that's the only one you want to learn this year? You can pretty much apply it to everything in life. When someone pulls out in front of you, respond in a way that will glorify God. When someone hurts your feelings, respond in a way that will glorify God. When someone makes you angry, respond in a way that will glorify God. When someone mistreats you, respond in a way that glorifies God. It's just that simple. You know, I, I think sometimes we want to make it more complicated than it is. God set it out there. Hey, everything you do, everything you do. Oh, by the way, everything you do, do to the glory of God. When you take out the garbage, do it in a way that glorifies God. And if you think, well, what do you mean? How would you not glorify God or how would you glorify God taking out the garbage? There's always a choice to be made. And I, I realize it when I have to grumble, right? The, the hard part at our house is there's only two of us. So I can't even blame the dogs. We do. We have a game at our house. It's push down the garbage out. See how long you can push down the garbage until you can't push it no more. And then someone's got, someone's going to have to take it out. <laughs> you guys laugh, but I know it happens at your house too, right? I, I'm just being transparent. Nobody else wants to admit that they do that at their house. Oh, oh, we would never do that. Yeah, right. I have a choice to make when I take out the garbage, right? I can shoot a nice sarcastic comment towards my wife. Or my dogs who might think about getting in it if it's not all the way closed. Or I could just take it out when it needs taken out. And in that way, glorify God. See, we laugh, but the reality is it happens so often. And it's so often in our lives that we fight over stupid things just to be right. Or just to be justified. And we sweat the small stuff. And Scripture is very plain. Do it all to the glory of God. 
It's that easy. Why do we make it more complicated? 1 Corinthians 10, 31 or 13? I can't, I might have a 31. 31, thank you. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Yeah, that's a good one to learn. Do it all to the glory of God. Even when it seems unfair, it doesn't seem right. It's not okay. It doesn't sit well. Do it all to the glory of God. Finally, Paul says in verse, uh, uh, verse I think it's, uh, sorry, I, I don't have it in front of me. Verse 18 or 19, 19 and 20. He talks about a couple guys who fell out of faith. Did you see those guys? A couple guys that walked away. A couple guys who they thought were on their side, who ended up turning their backs. Doesn't give us all the details. We don't know what happened or what they did. But we know this. Paul's obviously put off by these guys who they thought were partners in the faith, who were not partners in the faith. Something was wrong, whether they were the uh, ones that were teaching false doctrine, whether they were just going in a different direction. We don't have all the details. There is a few other details uh, in a... a and in, uh, I think it's in Acts. We know this. Paul says, let them go. Let them go do their thing. It is what it is. We need to let go of our expectations for people. I see it happen in the church, in, the, in my faith walk all the time. People come into our lives. We want to encourage them. We want to challenge them. We want to build them up in the faith. And sometimes they take hold and the roots get hard and they grow this beautiful flower. And yet sometimes they always stay at arm's length. And a year later, they're still at arm's length. Five years later, they're still at arm's length. Ten years later... They're still at arm's length. I'm not saying we give up on them. What I'm saying is put them where they belong. They're obviously just going to be seeds that were maybe thrown in the rocky soil or maybe in the thorny soil. Or maybe the birds chewed them up. I'm convinced in the church setting and in my life setting that there are times when we just need to, to let that go. Let go of the expectations. And the church, as, as leaders in the church, sometimes we have made poor decisions. We have put people on boards hoping they will be more committed to something. And the older I get, the more I realize that that's backwards. That's backwards. We need to take the people who are interested in being involved and who want to grow and who want to be discipled and who want to strengthen their faith. And we need to work in that direction. Because there will always be people who come and go. There will always be, in fact, we used to, use, in the deacon uh, retreat, deacon and deaconess retreat, we used to take a bullseye and we have a whole pile of people's names, and we would put them, where are they at? Are they in the center? Are they kind of here? Have they moved? Their, you know? And then we would put, I think, I don't know if we did, but I think we put an arrow pointing which way they were going, right? 
Um, and that just kind of got a, a visual image to see what the church, how, where was the church working, where wasn't it working, who was coming in, who was going out, who was um, being more involved, less involved, those kind of things. Paul tells Timothy, don't hang your hat on a couple guys who have decided to do something different. Work with the people we have, the people who are in leadership, the people who want to move forward. Work with them. Those are the ones who will help you lead. And Paul's telling Timothy, you can't force people into a position they refuse to do. So, do you want to lead God's way? You have to focus on His love. You have to focus on His love. You have to be willing to share that. You have to fight for what's right. That means we stand our ground. Paul is telling Timothy, don't let those false teachers mislead you. And I don't think it was all about theological discussions when everybody sat down and around. I think there were other issues going on with these false teachers. They were leading the church in a wrong direction. It wasn't just a theological discussion. It was going on in their own direction. And we need to let go of our expectations for other people. Because we can want them to be something they're not for the rest of our lives. Or we can accept them for where they're at and work with those we have to work with. At the end of the day, Jesus is the one in charge. That has to be who leads the charge. That's who has to direct our paths. Anything else is going to fall short. It's going to fall by the wayside. And we, leaders of the church, have to be careful that we don't allow ourselves to be involved in areas that Jesus is not in charge. And the beginning of the year is a great way to step back and ask ourselves, is this healthy? Am I moving forward? Am I growing closer to God? See, because we'll have this again next year. Right? We'll have an opening again next year. At the beginning of the year, we like to reflect. Am I doing the things that have drawn me closer to God in the last year? When I got to 2021, did I just hold my breath? Or at the beginning of 2021? And am I in a better place today than I was last year? I can't answer that for you. I can answer that for me. But I'll ask you to contemplate that in the next couple weeks. Am I in a better place? Not financially. Not a better house. Not a better car. Spiritually, am I better? Am I drawing closer to God? Do I feel balanced? Do I feel close to Jesus Christ? And am I helping anyone else get there? Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for your love, your care, and your concern. We thank you for Jesus. Lord, as we sat around the table, it reminded me of that sacrifice. 
Jesus took it to the cross for me. Lord, may that be the focus of our year. May you direct our paths. May everything we say and do glorify you. In your name we pray. Amen.